Welcome to another episode of the Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward, um, mostly because my mother named me Quentin. And Quentin is kind of hard to pronounce, so people just go with Q. So Q Ward never gets old, man. is what yes, they call indeed. me. The one and only Q Ward. Uh, and we are here today again, like every week, to talk to you about progress mm. and ideas and... Um, you know, to try to help shape the world into a place that is a little bit fairer and more pleasant for all people. Um, this is a black space, uh, but it is a space also for all of our brothers and sisters, um, allies and folks who want to learn, uh, you know, a little bit more than what they may be able to determine from their traditional news sources. Um, and so today's episode is no exception. Uh, we got a few things to talk about. Um, I do want to touch on some of the voter suppression is what we're calling voter suppression uh, legislature that is on the floor, uh, at least in Phoenix, Arizona, where we live um, and some of the other articles that are on the floor or have passed already in other places. We'll get to that a little later in the show. Um, I do, even though it's not necessarily American, I do want to talk about um, recent events with respect to um Meghan Markle and Prince Harry uh and uh all of the stuff that they're going through because I do think that that at least warrants a conversation and this is really the only space where we can uh have that conversation in a mass media format um but first uh I wanted to talk about something that is kind of interesting um so being black we obviously we recognize that the world is just a little different for us or maybe it's a little different for our caucasian brothers and sisters i think that goes without saying um if you're listening to the show you you might have an idea of what we're going on about um and you know for the most part it's just kind of understood that there are some things that you know that just we we don't expect right but um, rarely do we get to actually hear about a story from the beginning all the way through to what I'll call the end. Um, in this case, uh, we have a, a guest on the show today who is a sometimes contributor uh, in terms of commentary. Um, she is a political activist. Uh, she's done lots of work with We Rising and a bunch of other groups. I can't even name them all, but certainly... Uh, a visible figure out on the street and uh, what we would consider an ally. Her name is Tessa Farrell. And uh, recently she um, was able to follow up with uh, a Karen, the, the Scottsdale Karen, the one that was in uh, Target, I want to say, tearing down all the masks and so forth. And, uh, you know, rarely do we hear the end of these stories. They, they come up, they're sensationalized, and then they, you know, they fall by the wayside and no one follows up. But, um, we have a uh, an actual direct interaction with this woman, and and uh, we have we have an opportunity to examine the ways that um, sometimes the world treats you know folks different, um, and uh, and I don't want to get too much into it. I don't want to tell the story before she does, so I'll uh, just bring her on the mic. So welcome once again. Thank you. Yeah. So um, so for those that don't know, um, I know I kind of 
gave a brief introduction to the story, but can you tell a little bit about um, what happened? I want to say it was July of 2020. Uh, as in the incident? Yeah. So it actually happened in March. March, okay. Um, and a well-known in our community, I guess, a white woman went into a Target and went on a rant and tirade pulling down masks um, in Scottsdale. At a, I think it just said at a Target, but pulling down uh, masks and having a hissy fit about how, um, you know, this, it's finally her time. She's not going to get on board with this. Um, and, you know, like her, she won't be stifled in this way and hmm. what have you. When you say pulling down masks, pulling down other people's masks? Oh, sorry, or yeah. So pulling down um, masks for sale in the store. Off oh, of so like the displays. Things. Yeah, pulling okay. down displays, um, throwing the masks on the floor. She's, she's recording herself doing this, oh, live wow. streaming herself doing this. Um, and it, it went viral. It has like 100 million views. Um, yeah, so that's, that is the incident. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, not to harp on this, but I, I do believe that it's, it's important to present examples of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, privilege, we'll call it privilege, um, when they present themselves, um, what we have is uh, a well-to-do, I believe, um, white, blonde-haired woman who disagrees with, you know, the government mandating that everyone wear masks. And she's in Target and she decides to destroy property um, and so forth. Um, now, mind you, this was uh, around the same time when, you know, uh, we were taken to the streets for George Floyd and we were... Um, we, uh, before that, we, there was a string of police killings and then after that as well. And so, um, we were already, we, the black delegation, if you will, were already, um, on high alert with respect to the way the world treats us differently and how we felt and feel often as though our Caucasian brothers and sisters have a tendency to distance themselves from our concerns. In other words, for the most part, there is this either cavalier attitude toward it or this pronounced attitude of, well, that's not me behaving like that. And so because I'm not behaving that way, it's not my problem, right? So because we're on high alert during this time, when we see someone destroying property at a target and then she gets to leave the target, and then she goes home and she's taken in peacefully. Meanwhile, um, there's someone who allegedly uh, spent a fake $20 bill, I want to say, um, is what happened with George Floyd. Um, and uh, he was treated as though he was already guilty. Um, he was, he was treated much worse than, than, if, he was than if he was guilty for <laughs> yeah. that specific crime. Right, right. And... Um, you could argue that the difference is that he's female or that he was male and, and this other woman's female. And you could argue that the difference is, I mean, there's, you know, differences across the board, but um, there was no destruction of property. There was no threat. There was no nothing. It was just a black male who had his life crushed out while people were filming it and telling him to get off of it while he begged for his life. And then there's a woman who's actually, actually 
um, causing a disturbance to society, act, actually, actually causing damage um, or, or harming, you know, the, the larger population. Um, and uh, an altercation with the workers, like the whole. Sure, the whole sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know better because I, I just kind of vaguely remember it. But um, anyway. So this uh, situation, this was something that kind of stood out in our minds. And, and so that's the reason why I thought that it was worth um, bringing back up. Because at that time, we could point to it and say, well, you know what? This is a clear example of privilege. This is a clear example that you can throw what you refer to, Tessa, as a hissy fit. Um, and you can have, you know, get, get to your wits end. You can become frustrated with the authority, with the government, with whoever. And you're allowed to have your moment for the most part. You're allowed to be a human and make a mistake or whatever. And then if there needs to be some sort of uh, ramifications or repercussions or whatever, you are treated humanely in, during that process. You're still treated as though there is the potential for you to be rehabilitated or maybe you potentially made a mistake. I remember the arresting officer when they took her into custody apologized to her as he was handcuffing her. Um, and so he's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I got to do this. Wow. Um, and so there again, that attitude that exists that we again, we the black delegation, that's uh, a bar I took from Dave Chappelle. But a uh, black folks is one that we know very well that, um, you know, we don't want to cross paths with those people because they don't. Their heart turns off when when there's a little bit too much melanin in front of them, you know, and it's kind of sad because melanin is all of our friend, you know, is how I think about it. But. Um, again, I, I thought it was important because if you don't agree that that's an example of privilege or if you don't agree that that's a one-off sort of instance and I'm comparing apples to oranges, George Floyd versus whoever this Karen is from Scottsdale, you know, then that's fine. But because uh, Tessa was able to follow up with her um, and find out the rest of the story and how things fleshed out, um, I thought that maybe that would tell the story that I've been trying to tell and that we've been trying to tell um, a little bit better because you can see where one road leads to death and the other one leads to, and I'll let you finish. So what happened? It became a book signing. Uh, she gets her book deal. She got her own book deal. Are you serious? Um, yeah. And so she is oh, Jesus. writing a book on <laughs> cancel culture. I just almost left. I didn't know that. culture and how she's going to rebuild her life after this whole thing so what what becomes of this story then is um her husband actually is who wow. calls the police on her after seeing this whole incident go viral i guess they were like in some divorce proceeding or something like that they had had some issue like as the stories all tell the night before all these justifications right as to how she ended up in this place and um you know, then they source in all these articles talking about interviewing all of these people that know her as to how this behavior is so unlike her. And clearly there were issues leading up, but she ends up going on what is now multiple news channels. She's a PR rep, so she's spinning this perfectly, um, goes on to say that um, that she she was brainwashed by uh, QAnon through the course of covid and being at home and the stress of everything and how um you know being at home and being on the internet all the time she was taking on all of this information and how it was slowly brainwashing her and so she goes on to say then 
that she has a mental collapse. And what we're witnessing is not racist behavior because she ends up making racial slurs. She posts racial stuff, um, which I won't obviously like elaborate on, but it exists in the world of the internet. Um, but she ends up saying that it's a mental health collapse and then uh, voluntarily submits herself to no court order. She, as you saw, like she's not, as you mentioned, she is not, you know, like attacked. The police don't arrest her on the spot. She's not thrown on the ground. They show up at her house. They apologize as they're arresting her and she voluntarily submits herself to some like, it's listed as like one of the luxury like recovery resorts. Um, so I saw another article again today about it in the Washington Post. So we're talking national news here where she's where they where they give her the opportunity to timeline these events and talk about how she got to the place she got to and then ample space to discuss her journey into mental health and um, what she's learned since and how she's rebuilding her life and what this whole episode cost her. Um, and so I started um, commenting on it and tagging her and things on the internet saying that I understand that mental health is, an, is a real thing, that we should work on destigmatizing mental health and we need to allocate funds in our budget, specifically from the 70, $745 million police budget uh, that the Phoenix PD receives. Um, Talk into, about it. <laughs> Go ahead. This into, the place for it. <laughs> uh, you know, mental health services over five, almost half a million calls in this last year alone to the police were for like mental wellness checks. Um, so I'm not, I'm not diminishing the need for mental health, uh, you know, services, but she gets the opportunity, right, to spin this instance as something that is solely rooted in a mental health collapse. She doesn't, you know, the fact that she even gets to tell her story where black folk in general don't get that opportunity, but particularly black folk during mental health checks of their own when their families are begging cops not to do what cops do. And they don't, um, don't kill my son. Yeah, I right. called you. I called you. Because he's having a mental health breakdown. I called you for help, not for you to show up and murder him. And we're not here to, you know, parse through uh, or even make uh, the allegation ourselves that this young woman didn't have right. a mental health collapse. It's just to point out that she's now had the opportunity to express that she had a mental health collapse and to fiscally benefit from said mental health collapse, which that part of it makes me cringe a little bit, right? You're going to get a book deal after doing this just because she was treated like a human being when the police were called. And I think a, a big thing last year uh, as our call for social, social justice reached its height was people were confusing the idea that we wanted <laughs> not to be treated the same as our white brothers and sisters, but for them to be treated the way that we've been treated. Mm. The call was the opposite. Mm. We're not saying, hey, shoot more unarmed white men and women. We're saying have the same heart, empathy, emotional intelligence, patience and tolerance when you show up to see us that you do when you see them 
Give us a chance to tell our story. Give us a chance to make a mistake. Give us a chance to rehabilitate. Instead, on more cases than we wish to counter talk about on video, we're shot dead. Oh, let me talk about that. Um, first, if, if you're listening to my voice, I want you to take a beat. Okay. I want to, I want, I want your mind. Okay. I want you to think about uh, someone that you know, maybe someone young, okay? Someone that you saw, you know, uh, come, come into existence, right? Um, you, maybe you saw the gestation period. You, you knew what it took to bring this life into manifestation. You, you recognized how vulnerable this life was and how precious it was. And you saw the joy that this life brought to those around you, right? This might be a sibling, this might be your own child, this might be someone like that, right? And let's say you add a few years, you get to see this child grow and, and develop and learn and laugh and all these things, right? Um, if you can appreciate what I've just suggested to you, then you understand how precious a life is and how easily it can be taken away. Um, if you're a human being with a beating heart, then you understand how vulnerable we are and how special we are to be able to enjoy this thing called life. It doesn't matter what color you are, what you believe or anything like that. That is one fundamental truth that we all can agree on. You don't have to be human. You can just you can be a plant and agree on that. Everything thrives to survive. Um, strives to survive, rather. So. With that said, the stories that I do want to share are not even uh, uh, stories of, of necessarily mental health issues, right? But every, everyone, every human being with a brain has the capacity to suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. It doesn't matter what color they are, right? The thing is, if police show up and they're afraid, then all that stuff goes out the window because their first move and all their moves are going to be based out of fear, not compassion or any of the things Q just mentioned right now. Um, and this is part of the thing that we're, we're trying to suggest. Um, nobody wants a book deal after they interact with the police. Um, because we know that for us, just being able to get out of that interaction alive and go home to see our children is the goal. You know, because it really, like my heart never beats faster than when, when I see those lights light up behind me. And I'm like, oh man, okay, here we go. You know, and I start thinking of everything I just did for the past 15 minutes. I don't know how long they've been following me. What did I do wrong? What story do I, you know? So, um, back to my point. There's a, a man named uh, Richard Brooks. Uh, this was last year, I want to say. And uh, he was at a Wendy's in Georgia. And he Atlanta, was, to be specific. Okay, Atlanta, Georgia. And he was, I want to say, sleeping in his car uh, at the drive-thru at a Wendy's. And the police came and they were being cool with him initially. This is the way I remember it. You know, don't hold me to it. Um, they were being cool with him, talking to him. Again, this is a life. This is a man who people love. He loved people. He smiled. He was smiling in the video. You know, obviously he was drink. He drank too much. Stopped driving the car. He was sitting there. Police interact with him. They get him out. They do a sobriety test or otherwise, you know, welfare check on him. Um, and it seemed like they were kind of doing a, you know, just uh, what is that thing where where a cat just plays with its 
prey before it kills it. They're just toying with him, you know, because they know he's drunk or whatever, but they let him, whatever. And then finally, um, they, they suggest to him that he's going to have to go to jail, right? So he panics, rightfully so. Um, you know, that's different if you're black. You know, uh, what's her name where she went to jail and then died there? Um, I forget her name. Sandra Bland. Yeah. Um, I wish she was the only example. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you get it. It's anything beyond. Hey, look, officer, I'm chilling. I just want to go home. It's very scary. Right. So this guy panics, um, which to me, it seems kind of like par for the course. It's not like he's panicking because he saw like a, a pigeon on the ground. Those are, those are the police. They have guns. And the right to kill you with impunity and no one will bat an eye clearly so that's a very scary interaction because that's how it's framed in our mind because that's how it is so he panics and he turns and runs away um and then the police pull out their guns and they shoot him in the back and he dies he his life ended in a parking lot of a wendy's on the side on the pavement it wasn't even a sidewalk his life ended right there that same life that same life that when his mother pushed him out he took his first breath he played with all his friends his cousins he had goals dreams hopes and he was executed on the sidewalk running away posing no threat to anyone right didn't damage any property he didn't tear any mass down at a target he actually went out of his way to make sure that didn't happen which is why he was pulled over asleep not driving drunk there you go um another one i want to share is this one is especially troubling to me, especially troubling to me, because I know what this feels like, because I've been there before. I've seen it, and it just hits close to home, but there's a, um, a man by the name of Andre Hill, and I've told this story on the show before, but he um, was working on a car in his garage, and he was starting the engine. That's the way I remember the story. So if you want to research it on your own to prove me right or wrong, you know, go for it. But the way I remember reading the stories, he's in his garage and he's like working on a car, starting the engine, turning it off, starting the engine, turning it off. Um, and a neighbor called the, calls the police. Um, the police come and they show up and they have their cameras on, but or they have their cameras off, but it only, it still records the last 30 seconds or something with no audio. So what you see from the police camera is an officer walk up to the garage. You see Andre Hill walk out of the garage. You see the officer pull a gun, shoot him, and he dies right there in his own garage working on his car. He did nothing except I, you know, I, I don't even know what he did. He, he existed in skin that looks like ours. And, and so this is the thing that makes these, these when, when white folks get to have their mental breakdowns and the police show up and they're not angry and they don't want to kill you or whatever. It looks like, like white skin looks like a superpower. I'm glad you said angry that time and not scared because I think they use the fear thing as a scapegoat. I know how I behave when I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of something and it's running away from me. I don't murder it. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they get to, they get to disguise that hate as I was afraid. I, I was afraid for my life. So no, you weren't afraid. That was hate. 
That was anger. That was racism. That was bigotry. That was not fear. So I'm glad you said anger that time because they use fear as a very convenient excuse after the fact. It's very, very hard to justify that you murdered a guy you were afraid of as he ran away from you. Now, I do want to come back to this, uh, but um, I want to take a moment for a second. Uh, if you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward. And uh, don't forget to check us out online, civiccipher.com. Uh, you can download this and all previous uh, episodes. Um, we can always use your support. Uh, please consider signing up uh, on Patreon. You can check us out on your YouTube. That's youtube.com slash civiccipher. Um, and be sure to follow all our social media at civiccipher. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, this uh, story that we're telling uh, with Tessa Farrell, who's with us today, is one where this, we're, we're calling her a Karen. Uh, I don't think her name really needs, you know, too much recognition, and I don't care to remember it. But um, I'm very familiar with the example uh, of this sort of thing happening, um, and there being no real consequences. Now, I do want to say this. Now, we're all human beings first, above all else. Right. If this woman had a mental breakdown and if her brain caused her to resort to the most basic, disgusting things, uh, using all this, these racial slurs and all of this sort of stuff, because her mind it turned against her or something like that. I, admittedly, I don't understand everything about mental illness, but I do understand prejudice. And this looks a lot like prejudice and, and racism to me. But for the sake of argument, let's call it um, a mental illness um if that's what she was in fact suffering from and she went to go get help for it there's really nothing else to see here uh, one thing that i've learned about black people is we tend to be very forgiving i'm no exception so hey man lesson learned don't do it again let's move forward right um but i think that the point that all three of us are making here today is let's try and treat black folks let's try and treat hispanic folks our native brothers and sisters you know we're we're here in the southwest uh if if you know you might be listening in you know wisconsin or something but in the southwest you know there's lots of problems that that plague the communities of our native brothers and sisters you know let's give those same people you know as q put it the same consideration you know okay i'm showing up if you're an officer or if you're someone who is inclined to call the police or whatever let's take a beat and and really understand what's at risk here what's at stake these are human lives and the people showing up with murder weapons and those are the people that are supposed to help you they, they show up with, with it, it, the only thing that that thing was designed to do was end a life. That's the only thing a gun is designed to do. It's not a knife. You can't shape a tool. You can't prepare food with a gun. The only thing that it will do is end a life. There, I have a fundamental problem with you calling someone who shows up and their primary tool is, is the, the only function of it is to end a life. And that's the person that's supposed to help someone who, if, if they are having a mental issue, that doesn't check out for me or any other kind of issue for that matter um with the exception of i don't know going to war i don't know i don't i don't understand how that's uh, you know but i don't have all the answers here and i don't want to rant 
Um, but I do want to uh, talk about the um, the part of this story where the Karen had a an opportunity to speak to the I want to say it was the Huffington Post or something like that. Washington yeah, Post. It was, Washington yeah, it was the Washington Post. Post. Okay. Um, so real quick, um, and then we'll move on. Um, how, wh- what do you recall from her interaction with Darren, and then what was the conclusion of your interaction with her directly? Well, I mean, what, so that was just, like, that was just, that article just ran. Okay. Mind you, she's been basically, for lack of a better way to put it, on tour with this story for months now. This is not the first time she's been interviewed on a national platform getting to tell the lining up of events this one this most recent story just kind of covered how she's recovering from if you will this brainwashing right good for um her. and she goes on to say like her family's jewish and uh, so i want to say white passing in this moment like but blonde hair and blue eyes right um but she goes on to say how it, it there was a lot of trauma that was brought up for her and this idea of her, her Judaism and her family's history and other familial issues that haven't been worked through. Um, and so as I'm, you know, kind of challenging her in this respect, um, not on her mental health, because we all deserve the opportunity to heal and grow in our mental health, but rather how if she's saying she's grown, um, what looks to me like not cancel culture, but accountability culture is recognizing the privilege that you have as a white passing or white person getting all of these opportunities to heal, to discuss, to grow, whether, mm. you know, and that's layered, right? That's a socioeconomic to be able to even have the affordability to receive that kind of care. Sure. Um, you know, the, the stigma that surrounds, you know, cultural perspectives on that, um, her whiteness alone, as we already mentioned, to be alive, to, to tell this tale. Um, and I challenged her on it. And she said that the whole reason she's done everything she's done is to highlight her privilege. And I said, but I don't hear you talking about anything other than yourself in the story. And she said, thanks for sharing and like blocked me on all the things. Oh, she blocked you. Yeah. And I didn't. Oh, man. Okay. We don't have to talk about this lady anymore. (laughs) We don't have to talk about this lady anymore. But it's just right. The purpose is. Uh, for me, the the nature of this, what's so important in that is 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 particularly because this whole cancel culture thing has really gotten highlighted again, and I know you guys have already talked about it, but it's not here to cancel people. We're here to help people grow. And to me, when it looks like you're canceled when you've shown that there's an ineptitude to want to grow, sure. and now you're just making excuses, and she continues to make excuses, and that's for me where it became particularly problematic because you had an opportunity to really say hey the only reason i'm getting to talk about this is because i'm white and i'm here still yeah like nobody else outside of a white person would get to tell this story right like we already know we've seen it a million times over in the news like you all all don't need me to tell you um if you don't know uh tessa is white real white (laughs) super white (laughs) super white like see-through like mary bird (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, that's 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 enough there. I, I do want to say this though um, to all the folks listening to the show: white, white passing, Hispanic, black, the, it, it, and everything in between. Um, with this show, uh, Q and I, we always want to make sure that love is at the center of the narrative. That that this is a show for healing. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's rough and painful. But that is the purpose of this show. Um, we do 
need to acknowledge shortcomings. Uh, we, we do our best to celebrate um, when when things get accomplished, you know, when when the election went the way that a lot of us were hoping it would. Um, you know, that was a time for celebration. And then sometimes we have to look back and we have to, you know, whatever. Um, and so, uh, you know, for all of allies, all the allies listening to my voice right now, everybody who believes that, you know, tomorrow has the potential to be better than today. Uh, I want to remind you that, you know, um, that we we love you. We, we appreciate your support fiscally or otherwise, even if it's just listening and trying to grow, listening to conversations that Q and I have um, that we allow other folks to listen into um, who might not have grown up with the same vantage point uh, as us. And, and I just want to make sure that that's stated because sometimes we can get kind of deep into a conversation and, and it, it might be a little challenging, but it doesn't mean that we are angry or, or we're not forever angry. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, a, it's all a part of the healing process. So Ramses isn't forever angry. <laughs> okay. I think the Q, Q feels the same way. Q feels the same I'll way. I'll be angry all the time. Q feels the same way. I promise it's you. It's very, very hard not to be. Yeah. Um, pointed over here too because he knows I goodness gracious man yeah well I I, no matter what happens uh, you know it it takes it takes all of us to to write this story and and it you know it's very necessary for some folks uh, like I say all the time it's it's necessary for some folks to hold the line and it's necessary for some folks to believe that you know we can all get there and so I'll take that role I'll believe that we can all get there and you guys hold the line make sure I don't get taken advantage of or that I'm not being too naive and you know it's there's a good mix here it it took Malcolm and it took Martin and you know I like that analogy so um, moving on I do want to talk about again even though it's not strictly relevant to what happens here in the U.S. with black folks I think that it does kind of speak to some underlying issues that we deal with in this country um that's megan markle and her interview with oprah now i know that you've probably heard about it and so forth but if not um she sat down with oprah and talked about excuse me she talked about her time in the uh with the royal family in buckingham palace i want to say or i i'm not too familiar with any of that stuff the royals yeah, that it just doesn't the really. The crown. Yeah, it's not a it's not a thing for me. I don't I don't acknowledge that crown. I only acknowledge the crown on Instagram that I put underneath black men's pictures. That <laughs> 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 was a joke, um, and a good joke, by the way. Anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, so this woman she goes into uh, this castle and like marries this prince dude, and they have babies or whatever, and these guys treat her really bad over there, right? This is what I'm hearing. And, uh, you know, she comes out the other side and she tells her side of the story. And now I'm clicked in. Now I'm tuned into it because I, you know, this is something that's kind of right up my alley. Um, and she says that there were some issues with respect to her child um, getting a royal title. Um, there's a lot of things that she said. She said she wasn't supported and so forth, but you know, I'm not going to argue those things because that could be because she's female. That could be because of a hundred other things, but you know, this show exists to really help bridge, bridge the gap insofar as race is concerned between all our different cultures so that we can kind of fellowship in a fellowship as brothers and sisters. Um, so I want to speak to the, 
the issues that she had with respect to race and her child. Um, she, so she said that there was, uh, they didn't want to give her child a title. And along with a title, like Prince, uh, the baby's name is Archie, I want to say, yeah? So Prince Archie. So along with a title, he would have gotten protection. Like there's a, like think like Secret, secret Service, right? So they have something similar over there, I guess. It's like James Bond and all the guys with the hats big hats and they definitely not james bond but yeah think secret service people don't let ramses turn you down the wrong street listen it's something like that they protect the baby right yeah that's so whoever who i don't know how they dress or what their names are but that he he said it right think secret service okay don't think james bond that's (laughs) james bond is like secret service definitely not okay well i'm learning we'll talk about it i'm learning okay yeah i'll talk to you about it so um and uh she i guess she couldn't really connect whether or not that had anything to do with his race but then Mm. later um or i it might have been the same conversation or maybe a different conversation uh she said that they were discussing uh how dark his skin might be um and that that that's when uh prince harry harry i'm terrible with names prince harry uh he added to that conversation he's like yeah you know that that happened um and he said that he didn't want to He'll, he didn't want he'll never say who was the person that was saying those things or go into detail about what they said right for right. very very obvious reasons yeah because he's related to them um but i think that that speaks to a the idea of white supremacy um at its core um now it doesn't surprise me to find that you know there are ideals that um, are rooted in white supremacy there's uh or at least prejudiced against black skin you know which i think is the other side of that same coin um in that family you know um or in families like that you know there's they're not the only dynasty on earth they're not the only um family with prestige money wealth um whatever and and to know that these folks they spend so much of their energy trying to look like they're really for the people you know they even britain colonized most of the world and you know has had to come to terms with what that means you know um they've had to deal with the people of the world um on a, in a lot of ways and to know that they still kind of have this turn your nose up sort of attitude or or this black skin is beneath us it's not welcome in our house we don't want that we the title is for us not for them you know or the the you know how how dark will his skin be like that sort of a thing as though dark darker skin is some somehow undesirable um it's it's these subtle things that you hear about throughout the course of your life. I got 38 years of them. There's people older than me. There's people younger than me. You know, these little micro, uh, these, these, these instances that are relatively frequent and by themselves are not extremely impactful. But over many years and decades, in my case, of knowing that, man, you know what? No matter how cool you think these people are, how, you know, you see them on TV, you know, whatever, um, at the end of the day, they just don't like you. They're just that, you know, that's just how it is. I remember Paris Hilton said something. This was back when Paris Hilton was on top. Mm. She said something that was super out of pocket. And I was like, really? 
you know, and they're, they're, these people get paraded around on TV like they're heroes. And, you know, you see them on TV. So you think they're good people. They're, they belong there and so forth. And then you realize that they, like a lot of our Caucasian brothers and sisters, have a tendency to insulate themselves from the real day-to-day people who support them, who allow them to hold that place, um, especially black people. Black people may as well be on a different planet with a whole different set of problems that they want nothing to do with. And I know I'm painting with broad strokes. I'm talking potentially about one person in one family. But the point is, is that over uh, over my 38 years, if you hear one person from one family and another person from a different family and this person from this job and this person who works at this place and this person who you saw at the grocery store and then, you know, over and over again, eight, ten times a year, um, at the at the end of your or at once you reach your 38th year you know you have a a profile i might interact with 50 people in a day but it's that one person that's the one that'll stick with you you know and you know it you you build this profile where you start to feel like why why do you hate me what did i do to you my skin might be too dark what is what is that's like saying my hair might be too well i guess that is the same thing my hair might be too curly my hair might be too curly i know you probably can't see me but i got a lot of hair and it's really curly but um but yeah man it just that 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 set with me the wrong way and i know that it for a lot of other black folks and i want to get your take on this too q um when you hear that it feels like you know like i knew it but i you know when she says it was like another like it's like a death of a thousand cuts you know it's just another cut you're like you know and then that woman is so pretty she i mean she could pass for white to me she could pass for white if she wanted to you know um or white and asian or white and such you know she didn't want to be black you know there's no there's nothing visibly that i would say that i could definitively say oh yes this is a black woman she's just clearly mixed with something that made her look like a pretty lady but um she still was too black her child (laughs) which is only half her is too still too black and i think that harkens back to that one drop rule that was that existed during slave times or if you were one one drop of your blood was black then that meant that you were black and you were no good to a white family and you had to work in the slave fields or in the house at best um so i wanted to say that because i think that a lot of us thought it and i don't like having these microaggressions these micro um infractions build up and not have the space to have a little bit of therapy about it and talk about it, get it out in the, in the, in the open and just discuss it. You know, this is a better world than w- the one I was born into after 38 years, but it, it is also a world that we need to work on. What do you think? Man, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I've, I've spoken to you before about how I have far less hope than you do with regards to uh, how progressive we think we are as a country, as a nation, as a people. Um, Maybe we'd made some progress 
from when we were born. Sure. But the last four years have made it very clear that it's far less progress than we thought. And if that's not a statement that lands with you, maybe you haven't been paying attention. Maybe you just choose to think and believe another way. Um, the really interesting position that it puts me in. We were talking about Bill Maher a few shows ago, and he had some guests on who spoke about, uh, you know, white privilege not existing, racism not existing. Um, you know, no one white that's alive now owned slaves. No one black that's alive now was a slave. So wh why are we still talking about it kind of mentality? And Bill and his guests going on and on about how they're tired of hearing about race. They're tired of it. And based on his interactions with his black friends, so are they. Mm. <laughs> Bill Maher speaking for not just himself, but all of black people, because his black friends, including this black guest, said so. They were tired of being the victim in that conversation. And I can understand that part of it to be true. And I can also understand the discomfort that comes with always pointing out, yo, that was racist again <laughs> for the 92,000th time. Right. There's a discomfort with being the person that's pointing it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to say it. Yeah. <laughs> you should know better. This and bless her heart. Another sister on this interview trying with all of her not to call her in-laws racist. Not to point out the very clear and blatant reason why her and her child won't be treated the same. Why they want to deny the baby a title and the protection and inheritance that comes with that. She has a very, very, and it's not because she doesn't come from royalty. He has an older brother that married a, a woman that became famous. Mm -hmm. And even the way they cover the exact same things about them, from them being pregnant and carrying a bump to eating avocado. The way that the press covered the exact same things for both women. Polar opposite. It's incredibly obvious why. And so many people seem so shocked that the royal family was racist. <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> That's the British point. colonizing royal family That's a good point. is right. racist. Oh, my God. Are they? They thought they were better than other people. Right. Hmm. Right. The colonizing. Right. Before yeah. Meghan met Harry's grandmother, the queen. And we're not talking about Beyonce or Mary J. Blige. We're talking about <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. She had to learn to curtsy before she could meet her fiance, his grandmother. Now, think of the normal nervousness that comes with meeting your significant other's parents. Specifically, if you're a woman meeting my grandmother. By itself, that carries some weight. Sure. But it's also the best compliment I could possibly pay you. But wait, I need you to learn how to bow to her before you meet her. I need you to learn how to bow to her properly as to not insult her and my family before you meet her. Okay. And Megan doesn't get offended and say, how dare you, yeah. Megan, okay, an good. accomplished actress, very well off on her own. She's not trying to come up on some money here. Took that 
and spent the time to pay this man's grandmother the proper respect. Okay, yeah. I, I like will that. learn a deep curtsy, as she said, so that I could greet her properly, as is tradition in your family. Boom. Yes, sweetheart, I love you. Whatever I need to do, run it. We'll do it. And her being so beautiful and charismatic and well-spoken and educated and articulate was threatening to them even more so. How dare you bring this black woman into the family who's also going to become a superstar as a member of this family? We can't have that. She can't be the face of the family. And what was scary to Harry, which he and I did not mean to rhyme right there, but what was scary to him must be. He pointed this out. I don't know if this part of the interview aired, but uh, Oprah spoke about this uh, the next day when she was on a, a talk show. His mother was treated bad. Princess Diana, mm -hmm. for, you, for those of you who don't know. Because she wasn't of royalty. And she had that same charisma, that same gravity. People fell in love, love with her. her. Yeah. Fall in line. Yeah, she did her own thing. And she carried on with her children like a mother. She hugged them. She loved on them. She kissed them. She showed exorbitant, ex exorbitant amounts of affection to them. Well, I guess that's just, uh, you know, I, I, we can't spend too much time on it because, again, it doesn't affect us directly. But that's something worth mentioning. Uh, yeah, we notice it. And for all the allies and folks listening to the show that will never know what it's like to be black, um, hopefully that gives you a glimpse into what that is like. Uh, I do want to remind you that you're tuned in to Civic Cipher um, to check the website, civiccipher.com, to download this and uh, any of our previous shows uh, to donate, support the show, um, and to find links to everything else. Um, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the uh, uh, political action initiative uh, proposed by the NAACP. Um, if you miss out on this part, again, check the website, uh, civiccipher.com. Uh, but... Shifting gears here briefly. Oh, before it do, I do want to say, um, Stacy Dash. Did you hear about her? <laughs> you hear about Stacy Dash? Yeah. Yeah. So how about that? Um, go ahead. What happened with Stacy Dash? No, write that down and we'll come back to it. Okay. I, we don't. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, I don't. We don't have the the bandwidth or the time right now. <laughs> okay. For me to dive into Miss Dash. All right. So um, I do want to spend the rest of the show. Uh, then in that case, um, talking about some of the legislature that we've encountered recently when i say we i mean specifically black and brown folks um uh you'll you'll recall a couple episodes ago but and poor folks and poor folks it's very important to point that out sure because the the, the powers that be have have gone out of their way to even create division amongst the poor mm -hmm. some of you are not poor because of you you're poor because of them yeah oh yeah that's so that's come over here with us and we'll take care of you good old trickle down <laughs> so um there's uh q and i were on a zoom call um recently uh and we're, we're gonna have a really awesome announcement for the show um here in the next couple of weeks um because we are can't wait uh because of your support so we do appreciate everyone that's because of y'all yeah <laughs> i'm growing but it's, it's because, because of y'all bling bling that's all i gotta say no, um, uh, 
But uh, we were on a Zoom call uh, toward that end, and um, I was able to mention that there was an initiative in Georgia um, to kill the Souls to the Polls campaign. Um, and I'll refresh your memory if you if you don't know, but basically uh, this past election, um, the organizers came up with this Souls to the Polls uh, campaign so that they can get black folks out of church on Sunday to go and vote. Um, and, you know, the black voter turnout was really what helped uh, sway Georgia. Uh, and Michigan. Yeah. And Pennsylvania. Yeah. And Wisconsin. Exactly. Um, but in Georgia. And Arizona. That part. But specifically in Georgia, this Souls to the Polls campaign was super effective. Um, again, to get black folks, black people, that was specifically what it was supposed to do out of church, after church and into a, a voting booth. So, um, recently they introduced, a, a piece of legislature that says that they want to close polls on Sundays as a direct, direct attack and indirect response to this souls to the polls initiative. Um, so that, uh, that will no longer be a thing that uh, they'll have to worry about in terms of black voter turnout. Um, if you don't know, the more people that vote in this country, the more the vote tends to favor uh, liberal philosophies and Democratic candidates. Um, Republicans, uh, and this is not me saying anything that's partisan. Um, I'm not a big fan of Republicans. I think we all know that, but I'm not trying to be in this moment. Um, Republicans have an overwhelming tendency to disenfranchise. He's not a big fan of a lot of Republican politics. That sounded like he doesn't like Republican people, and that part oh, yeah, isn't no, true. Thank you for catching that. Yeah, um, but well, yeah, what I meant is the the philosophies that that are, that that party is based on. I, and it's not even a matter of disliking it. I just prefer the other party. It just sound like they're a little bit kinder people. Yeah, I mean, it's more about us than I. That's it. Yeah, there you go. So. Um, so yeah, they uh, uh, for the most part these uh, Republican uh, candidates they tend to win when there are less people voting, um, and when they do what's called gerrymandering, which is another thing that we've discussed during the show. In short, it's when you draw up the districts to favor Republican candidates and to further disenfranchise um, uh, Democratic candidates, which is. For the most part how that's used in this country along with the electoral college which gives uh white males i, I saw this on netflix uh, like, i think it's white males in wisconsin they had their vote is worth like 1.75 votes yeah and, and not just white men there but yeah o overall but then voters in southern california their vote is worth like uh, uh 60 of a vote or something like that so it's some is it's, there's some uh, in terms of the actual power that a vote has, you know, um, it's not the same um, and it's disproportionately favors uh, white males who own land. Um, anyway, they uh, they passed this souls to the polls uh, initiative. So you can't vote on Sundays anymore. And it's a direct attack on black people voting. This is not new. This is something that has happened over and it just create more and more hurdles and black people have to jump over these hurdles, you know, um, and we always do. Obama, we elected Obama. We got uh, um, Biden in there. You know, it's just um, that's the battlefront that 
I've found that Republicans tend to wage their war on. Um, the thing is, it's it doesn't feel like a war of ideas as much as it feels like an, a, a war on technicalities. It, it they, they take full advantage of a society. You know, we, we talk about capitalism quite a bit on the show, but, you know, the capitalistic society compels you to work and maximize profit and, you know, all these sorts of things. And so a lot of folks are not able to engage to the degree that they otherwise would because they have families to feed. They have to live their life. Um, and so pieces of legislature like this can, you know, get brought brought up in, um, you know, debates and, you know, they can get sent to the floor to vote and then they can pass. And then we don't hear about it until the next time we go to vote, you know, in three, four years time. And then we find out, oh, the polls are closed on Sunday. So um, where we live in Arizona, I want to take a moment to discuss a couple couple of things. Uh, one is uh, up for a uh, vote right now. It's called SB 1485. This is in Arizona. Um, and there, these are all across all the states. So if, if you live in a different state, please look up what's going on in your state. Research it. Um, get in contact with the NAACP chapter in, in your um, state. Find out how they're recommending that you vote um, so that your vote still counts, so that you're, it's not difficult to vote, so that people who are like-minded, who really want their voice to be heard, are still able to vote. But this SB 1485, effectively it would remove people from the permanent early voting list if they fail to vote by mail for multiple elections in a row. Um, that means that if you haven't voted in the past three elections because you didn't like the past three sets of candidates, then on the fourth one, you know, you don't you no longer have the, the option to. It's vote. even worse than what you just said. Is it? OK. Go ahead. If you don't vote by mail. Oh, that's it. OK. Which is even worse. Yeah. That means you could have been active at the polls sure. every time sure. and still be denied this. Sure. And so, like you said, it's the semantics and details like that. That even we just kind of overlooked right now. So let, let me they say, use against let us. me say this. Um, I, I believe next week we're going to have uh, someone up on the show who's going to be able to uh, explain these in more detail. I just wanted to touch on them because every week that passes, more and more stuff is being enacted. So I want to let folks know at least that there this is happening right now. Um, there's places you can call. Um, you know, there's a actually let me jump down here. Um, there's an initiative called Protect the Vote. Uh, you can join the Maricopa County branch of the NAACP for a community, community discussion on action to combat voter suppression in Arizona. It's taking place Saturday, March 27th uh, at 11.30 a.m. And uh, it's being held by Zoom. Um, and you can check out the uh, Maricopa County branch of the NAACP to uh, get more information on that Zoom. There's plenty of other things um, on here as well that I don't have time to go over because we're just about time. But once again, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward. And then uh, for more information, please check the website. That's civiccipher.com. Uh, please consider donating to the show. We do this for you, and we need your support for the show to continue to grow. Um, follow our social media at Civic Cipher, and I want to thank our guest Tessa Farrell for uh, showing up today. Thank you, Tess. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks right. for the space. And then we'll see you next week, y'all.